Exodus 12, and we'll be reading uh, the first 28 verses of this chapter. Far fades and the grass withers, but the word of our God endures forever. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, and you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but whatever one needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he's a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. Touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. 
since the reading of the Lord's Word this morning. Let's pray and ask Him to bless it to us. Almighty Lord, we ask that You would cover us with Your presence this morning, that Your Spirit would be upon our hearts, that You would teach us Your ways, that we would grow in awe and reverence for You, that we would come to worship You. We bless You, Lord, for Your Word, and thank You. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're, we're finally at the cusp of what the whole book of Exodus is named after. Right? After 12 chapters, we finally get to the thing that's actually called the Exodus. We're finally about to see the Lord accomplish what He promised to accomplish all the way back in chapter 3. He's about to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And so far we've seen him raise up his messenger Moses. Right? We've seen uh, Moses endure a bloody trial uh, one night as he went to Egypt. Uh, we've seen the Lord wage war against Pharaoh, against Pharaoh's pride and arrogance. We've watched the Lord do incredible acts of power and majesty, things that revealed uh, how seriously he takes sin, but also his patience, that he is so patient with Pharaoh. Before we actually get to right, the main course, before we get to the thing that defines the book of Exodus and that will define the people of God for the rest of the, of the, of the scriptures, the Lord makes us slow down. The Lord makes his own people slow down. He forces us uh, in Israel to slow down and to have a meal. But he gives very specific directions for this meal. He says exactly what Israel is to eat, when they're to eat it, what they're supposed to wear while they eat it. Right? We're all excited to get to the redemption part. But first the Lord says, go through this meal first. And he gives us exhaustive detail, right? very specific details over and over and over again about what they are supposed to do. And not just Israel, right? not just the people in Egypt, but the Lord says that this is going to be something that you and your children and your children's children forever are going to do for the rest of your lives and your children's lives and the generations after you this meal is important so we're going to see that the lord is doing something through this meal that he is he is, is more than just saying well you need food before you go on a journey the lord is saying that this is a memorial that this meal and all the things that are wrapped up into it, all the details, are meant to draw his people into this act of redemption. Not just the people living it in Egypt, but it's meant to draw the generations that will live on for the rest of history. They are drawn into this event. So here's, here's the main point for this morning. The Passover meal is a worshipful, worshipful memorial of God's covering presence in Egypt. The Passover is the worshipful memorial of God's covering presence in Egypt. So first we need to understand what's about to happen on this night. In preparation for the Exodus event, the Lord commands all of Israel in verse 3 to take a lamb. And to take just enough for each household, to not take too much, right? Don't take too little. Uh, he says in verse 4 that if a household is too small for a lamb, then you'll pool with your neighbors. But everyone should only take according to what they can eat. 
And in verse 5, the Lord says that this lamb must be without blemish. He gives these specific details. It's got to be without blemish. It has to be a male. It has to be a year old. It can be a sheep or a goat. But this, this lamb has to be perfect. This is not an ordinary, well, go out and pick the choicest one, right? The one that looks the yummiest, that's got the most fat. Pick the one that is perfect according to my standards. And everyone must kill this lamb at the same, on the same day, at the same time of day. In verse 6, he says, On the 14th day of this month, the whole assembly of the congregation... Which means, if anyone, if anyone doesn't do this, they are not part of the whole assembly of the congregation. Every single Israelite household has to do it. She'll kill their lambs at twilight. And then every single household of Israel shall take some of the blood, verse 7, put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel that's above the doorway. And the Lord says right, that what he's about to do is he is going to go through Egypt... That he is going to walk through the land of Egypt. He says this in verse 12. That the Lord himself is going to pass through the land of Egypt that night. He is going to strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. And on all the gods of Egypt, he's going to execute judgments. And he says, I am the Lord. That this is his solemn promise. That he is not going to change his mind, but this is what he is going to do. No exceptions. Except... That when he sees the blood, verse 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this word that is, is translated Passover, uh, it's, it's been translated as Passover for quite a while, but there's actually some debate about it um, because its meaning is, is unsure, it's unclear. Sometimes it seems to mean limp, right, to limp. And so they say, well, the Lord is going to hop over the house. Um, So God could be saying that he's going to walk through the land of Egypt, but when he comes to a house with blood on it, he's going to hop over it uh, instead of going in. But there's a couple other places in the Bible where the imagery is different, where this word actually has the imagery of, of a bird hovering over something. Uh, specifically, a mother bird protecting its roost. And I believe that's what it means here. That what the Lord is saying is that when he comes to a house with the blood on it, he is going to hover over it and protect that house from the judgment that's coming. So that's why in the end of verse 13, right, he is going to come and see the blood. I will cover you. I will hover over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you. And in case you're not convinced, then look at verse 23. When Moses is talking to the elders, and he says, uh, When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will hover over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses. Right? Moses makes it even more clear that there's two agents at play. There's the destroyer who is passing through to destroy, and there's the Lord who is standing guard over the houses of Israel. That the destroyer is coming to strike the firstborn, but the Lord is standing in his way. And even though they are the same, right, the Lord says he's going to do both. He's going to both strike Israel, 
or sorry, strike Egypt, and he's going to protect his people. But the imagery is, is that the Lord is going to spread his wings over this house and cover it and protect it. That no one will be able to enter that house to do any harm to them because he is there. Don't let it be lost on you that, that it's the Lord's own wrath that is coming. It's the Lord's own judgment against sin that is coming. But the Lord himself blocks his own wrath from touching his people. That it's almost like the Lord is taking the wrath so that that household doesn't receive it. But it's also, the the imagery goes even deeper than that. Because if you think about a, a mother bird covering her young, right, there's protection, right? But there's also warmth and love. That this mother bird is, is not simply going to protect her young, but she is going to feed her young. She's going to love her young. Hence why there's a whole meal attached to this sacrament. Because the Lord is saying, not only will I protect you, but I will feed you at the same time. Not only will I protect you and feed you, but he's also going to teach his people. Right? This meal is not just for those in Egypt, but they are meant to teach it to their children and their children's children so that future generations know that it is the Lord who covered them. That he is their protection. He is the one who will feed them because he already has done it. But the imagery continues even after the Passover meal. Because what the Lord does is, yes, he covers these houses, but then what does he do when they leave Egypt? He covers them with a pillar of cloud. He protects them from the sun. He covers them with a pillar of fire, which both stops Egypt from attacking them in protection, but also lights the way for them. And then at Mount Sinai, he will bring them to himself, where he will teach them who he is and who they are supposed to be. And over and over and over in Israel's history, the Lord will cover them. The Lord will protect them. The Lord will feed them. The Lord will love them. That what the Lord is doing in the Passover is not unique. It's not the last time he will ever do this. It's the Lord saying, this is who I am, and this is what I will do for you always. Keep this meal so that you remember that. So that you remember that if I covered you in Egypt... I will always cover you. But you're asking, well, wait a minute. What's, what's up with all these requirements then for like unleavened bread? Why is there got to be better herbs or herbs, whichever way you want to pronounce it? Why do they have to wear these things? Why do they have to make sure there's no leaven, right? What, what even is leaven? Um, well, these are great questions. Thank you for asking. The Lord gives all these requirements right, for, for multiple reasons. Um, In verse 14, what the Lord says is that this day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. And you shall keep it as a feast. And then he spends the next few verses reiterating over and over again, they shall not eat anything leavened, but only unleavened bread. He almost mentions it every verse. (laughs) Verse 15 
17, 18, 19, 20, all remind Israel, don't eat leavened bread. The reason is because that this is a memorial. That Israel should not look at this as a feast where you can eat a whole bunch, get drunk, do what you want to do, because it's really this fun activity for you that God's giving you. He's saying, go nuts. That's not the purpose of a memorial. So then what is the purpose of a memorial? What makes a memorial different from a regular meal? And I think what sets it apart is that the memorial takes what has happened in the past and makes the present participators in it, people who are experiencing it, as if they were in that context. As if all the Israelites in Canaan were looking back at those in Egypt. They eat this meal as if they were still in Egypt. They don't eat leavened bread because Israel and Egypt did not have time for leavened bread. Because to leaven something means to give it time to rise. It usually means adding yeast or something that makes the bread dough rise. And so what what the Lord said is, they're not going to have time for that because they have to go. They're eating this meal in haste because they are anticipating the redemption of God at any moment. It's going to come like a thief in the night. You don't know when the Lord is going to say, all right, get up, it's time to go. You don't have time to wait for your bread to rise. So all of Israel eating this meal and the generations after, they replay these events. They eat this meal as though they were in that context. So they eat unleavened bread. They eat it with bitter herbs. They eat this Passover lamb. And they do so in haste. Even though this feast stretches for a whole week, it's a whole week to remind them, what has God done? But it is also a whole week where they get to live in the redemption of God. Because they are not going to be eating this meal in Egypt. They're eating this meal in the promised land. They're eating this meal as people who have already experienced the redemption of God. And the temptation, right, is to take that for granted. We've always lived in the promised land. We've always had milk and honey. We've always had it really great. The Lord says, no. Remember where you came from. And remember who got you there. And remember that I loved you. And that I covered you in the land of Egypt. So all these specific details are designed to bring the participants into the story of redemption. That they're not sitting outside of it looking in, but they are actually inside of it. And every time they eat it, every time they prepare it like they're back in Egypt, they're reminded that God is their cover. He is the one who feeds them. He is the one who protects them. He is the reason they are redeemed. And most importantly, that Passover lamb would remind them that Not only has God done this, but he is doing this. And he will always do this. Not only that they have experienced the redemption of God, but they are currently experiencing it because they live in the promised land. No wonder then 
that the Lord says that this whole feast is to be begun and end ended with worship. Because this is not a normal feast. Normal, it's not a normal meal. It is worship. So what he says right, in verse, uh, verse 16, that the first day of this Passover week, you shall hold a holy assembly. And on the seventh day, be a holy assembly, and you shall not do any work on those days. Why? Because this meal is to force, not force, but to draw people, God's people into worship and into rest. That's what a memorial is supposed to do. Draw God's people into worship and into rest. And that's why the Lord commands these worship services, why he commands no work shall be done. And it's why when Israel hears these instructions and receives it, they bow their heads in worship. Verse 27. That the Lord is, is giving them a gift. Here is a sign of my presence, of my covering, of my protection and love and feeding that you will experience for the rest of your lives and for the rest of your generations. That his presence shall never depart from Israel. And so it should not surprise you, right, that if this is the purpose of a memorial, and if this is the goal of a memorial, worship and rest, it should not surprise you to find out that our Lord Jesus followed these instructions perfectly. Because Jesus was a participant in the Passover meal. But his role was a little bit different than one simply eating the Passover meal. Because when Jesus brought his disciples to celebrate Passover with them, he said, this is my body. This cup is my blood. Because he was the lamb without blemish. Jesus was the lamb without blemish who was slain at twilight on the Passover week. Jesus was the lamb slain at twilight who then spent the seventh day of that holy convocation in rest. That he rested in the grave. That he carried out Passover. He followed through every instruction. But even though he was the lamb slain, the grave could not hold him. And Jesus rose again from the grave. See, the blood that Israel was supposed to paint on their doorways, it was as if it was a big neon sign saying, this house has already tasted death. Right, because the lamb had been slain instead of their firstborn. That as the destroyer would, would walk through the land, he would come to this house of Israel with blood on it, and the Lord would be standing there and saying, this house has, been, has already tasted it. Keep going. That's exactly what happens now when you receive the blood of Christ. 
that when the Lord calls you to faith, he paints his son's blood, the blood of the lamb, on you and your heart. And when he does that, now your heart becomes the place where he covers. The Lord descends upon you and covers your heart and protection. And so when that final judgment comes, it will be as if you had already died. Because you have then died with Christ. But you will be raised to life just like Christ was. And that's why Israel got to come out of their houses. And they got to experience the redemption of God. And they got to leave slavery. The same is true of you. But the Lord did not redeem you from slavery to Egypt. He redeemed you from death. That the blood of the Lamb covers you. And God's presence covers you. And he promises that he will never remove his presence from you. Ever. Because Jesus was the perfect lamb slain for you. And that's what we experience and memorialize every time we take the supper. And just as the Passover was the memorial service for what the Lord did in Egypt, the supper is our memorial for what Christ has done for us on the cross. It's not a regular meal. Clearly, it's too small. But it is an important meal. Because when we come to the supper, we do it in worship. The supper draws us into worship because it draws us into the events of the cross. It forces us to see that Christ was broken, that his blood was spilt. But that through faith, you become a true participant in Christ's death. That when the Lord's blood covers you, it's as if you have died with Christ and are alive with him forever. And that's what the supper draws you into. This story of redemption that did not, yes, it happened 2,000 years ago. But you get to experience it today. And every week. And for the rest of your lives until you see Jesus again. Because the supper also looks forward. The supper looks forward to a true feast. A feast where we will not be distant from our Lord, but we will be in his presence. We'll be seated with him. The marriage supper of the Lamb, where we will eat and drink with our God. And his presence will cover us for eternity. That's what this looks forward to. So it looks backwards to the cross, but it looks forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So let us come before the Lord and this Holy Supper with worship, with rest, and with joy. I'd like to invite the elders forward so that we can partake of this meal. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again. We thank you for this memorial to remember what you've done for us, to remember how much you have poured out for us. Lord, as we go forth this morning, we ask that you would fill our hearts with worship and with rest, that we would teach our children all the redemption that you have done for us, that we would rejoice, Lord, that we would keep our eyes on you every day. Fill us, Lord, with your spirit and with your truth. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.